Hey everybody, episode number 107 of the Ridge Hunter Outdoors podcast. Just me today, but we're going to be talking about some good stuff for the late season. I'm going to give you guys an update on fall pursuit, talk about what we got coming up here in the next week or so, and then we'll get out of here. It'll be a shorter episode today. We've got some good stuff coming. We're going to cover the last part of an article that I've talked through a few times already uh, by Josh Honeycutt. So we'll get into that. Again, we'll get into uh, what's coming with fall pursuit and a little bit more, and then we'll get out of here and get into the week. I do apologize for this one being a day late, but things are starting to slow down finally as far as work goes, so hopefully we'll get back on a regular schedule soon. Before we get into all that, don't forget about our partners for the podcast, one of those being Grandpa Ray Outdoors. Now, they specialize in providing the best nutrition for white-tailed deer on your property, starting with the soil. They've got a full line of high-quality food plot seed and plant foods, They've got over 14 different blends to choose from, so no matter what you're looking for, you're not going to have any trouble finding it. They've got fall and spring blends. They've got all the grains that you could want. They've got switchgrass for screening. They have bedding blends. They've got liquid fertilizers. They have soil test kits. You name it when it comes to food plotting, and they've got it. Now, they were started in 2015, but John has been in the seed nutrition business since 1991. They're not just about selling their products um, with all that experience. They've got a ton of knowledge, and they're going to answer any questions you have about what blends would be best for your specific property. That way, you can achieve the best results possible. We've used their blends on our own properties. We've used them on client properties. I say this about every week. I don't know how many thousands of pounds of their stuff that I've put in the ground, but the results have always been as good as expected or better. Like even on this year, I don't have great food plots, but for as dry as it was, the deer are hitting them, and they're eating what's there. So it's always been really good for us. If you guys want to check them out, go to GrandpaRayOutdoors.com. And use the discount code RHOPODCAST, all lowercase, no space, and you get 5% off your order. We're also a dealer for them, so you can come see me if you want to save some money on shipping. Our other partner for the podcast is Rodney Hawkins. You guys know, if you've been listening, that he grew up hunting and fishing in Southern Illinois, and he's now putting that love for the outdoors into selling recreational properties as a land specialist with Midwest Farm and Land. If you guys don't know about them... Midwest Farm and Land is not your average real estate company. While they do do residential stuff, they sold over $85 million worth of ground in 2022. So that's just recreational properties. With agents like Rodney all over Illinois, they're really a local company with a national reach. For more info on them, on properties that may be available, or even getting yours listed, you can contact Rodney at 618-925-3153. He'll get you taken care of. He's also got his own company called RG Outdoors. He's currently got products from Radix Hunting. He's got Camo Dust, which is an all-natural scent elimination product. He's got Tacticam trail cameras, and he's trying to add new stuff all the time, too. So if you want to keep up with what they got going on, if you're interested in anything they have, send them a message through their Facebook page. It's RG Outdoors. You can email them at rgoutdoors at yahoo.com, or again, just call Rodney directly at 618-925-3153. We'd really appreciate it if you guys follow us on social media. So if you have Facebook and Instagram, it's Ridge Hunter Outdoors. We've been stuck around 800 followers on Instagram. I'd love to get that to 1,000 by the end of the month. So if you guys have Instagram, go over there, follow us, Ridge Hunter Outdoors, and let's see if we can get that thing up to 1,000 by the end of the year. We did just hit 2,000 subscribers on YouTube, so we're really excited about that. And I want to say thanks to everybody who did subscribe, who has subscribed. If you haven't, go do that. Let's get that up to 2,500 or 3,000 by the end of the year. Our goal was 2,000, and we hit that, but let's see how far we can get over that. Um, and that's Ridge Hunter Outdoors on the YouTube channel as well. That's where you're going to find Fall Pursuit, our semi-live show that we've been doing this fall. That's where you're going to find the podcast as well. If you're um, listening anywhere else, you'd rather go, if you want to listen to it on YouTube. Um, 
and we're going to have any of our other content put up there as well. We generally do some stuff through the summer. We'll do some kind of uh, how to, not how to, but we'll explain why we do stuff. Give you guys some ideas on things you can do for your property, stuff like that. That'll be on YouTube as well. We do have a Facebook group. It's a private group called RHO Podcast Patrons. So if you guys listen to the podcast regularly, make sure you go over there and join that. You can have some input on the show. You can just use it as a regular hunting group, whatever it is. Um, any guests you might want us to to bring on or try to get on. If you guys have questions for us or questions for guests that we're bringing on, you can put it in there. RidgeHunterOutdoors.com is the website. If you guys find anything on there you like, use the discount code RHOPOD. That's all caps, no space. And you get 10% off of anything that you order on there. And we're going to have some new apparel coming soon, hopefully. Um, some fall pursuit stuff, maybe some more podcast apparel. We'll see what goes down there. But if you do see that coming up, we'll announce it. But you can use that discount code RHOPOD and get 10% off of it. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anywhere else for that matter, make sure you follow us and leave us a review. That helps in all the algorithms, and it doesn't even cost you anything but a little bit of time. So let's get into episode number 107. This is the Ridge Hunter Outdoors podcast. All right, so as I mentioned in the intro, this week I'm going to be talking through the last part of Josh Honeycutt's article called The Best Tree Stand Locations by Season, and that is out of the August edition of North American Whitetail. So I don't remember exactly what episodes I talked about it. I should have had that wrote down, but we've been through most of this article already. Again, I'm skipping around a little bit, so I always recommend you guys go you know, get a subscription to the magazine. And you can watch all the stuff on YouTube you want, but there's always stuff you can pick up from reading too. I've learned a lot just doing these, and, you know, we've done a lot of episodes where we've gone through articles. I've learned a lot through these magazines and these guys that are writing them. We've actually become friends with some of the guys that write them, had them on the podcast, a lot of good guys that really know their stuff. So go pick up the magazine, and they don't pay me to say that. Like, we're not sponsored by North American Whitetail or Bowhunter Magazine, but I do think it's a... It's a tool that you can use, and it really is fairly cheap. So anyway, getting into the article here, we're going to go through his late-season stand locations. And it's kind of what you would think. Um, but if you're new to it or, you know, if maybe you're looking for some other ideas, maybe you've thought about food but you haven't thought about some other things, I think this will be good. So he says, The early season pre-rut and rut are over. The late season arrives, and with a heavy focus on food sources and the heavy focus on food sources returns. Whitetails are recouping weight loss from the rut, and remaining food sources are dwindling. Hunters should spend ample time scouting for these last pockets of attractive grub. So again, they're food. Like, that is that is the most important thing in the late season. Whether that means food plots, whether that means acorns, whether that means shrubs and brush, which we'll get into, all that stuff. You got to get in there. You got to find where it's at. You can find those sources that the deer are either using during the daytime or find out where they're bedding and get between that and the sources they're using at night, and hopefully catch them on that travel route. So back to the article here. Uh, oh, and one more point on that. Um, you know, whitetails recouping weight from lo- lo- weight loss from the rut. You'll see probably on your trail camera pictures bucks that, you know, looked really healthy going into the rut. Now, especially if your doe numbers are really high, like mine are in some places, some of those bucks are going to be really run down. They're going to look like they're probably... They probably lost a year in age based on their body size. Uh, I've got a couple 
at least two that I've got pictures of that one of them's a three and a half year old. He looks really rough right now. One of them's a four and a half year old and he looks more like a three and a half year old now. He was a really big bodied deer uh, before. And then you're still going to see some that aren't really run down. Maybe that's just their personality. They don't do a lot of chasing during the rut. Maybe your buck to doe numbers are better and you're going to see a healthier deer coming out of the rut, which is a ultimate positive because that's going to lead to bigger antler growth. But we've talked about that before, and I'm sure we'll talk about it again in the future. So right now we're going to focus on how to kill those deer now. And the first place he talks about is the marsh or the swamp perch. He says, by this point, deer are quite pressured, especially here. You know, most gun seasons have been through no matter where you're at. So the deer not only have had bow hunting pressure for two months, maybe two and a half months, They've also had gun pressure for, you know, at least a couple of weeks in most places um, at some point or another. So he says, by this point, deer are quite pressured. Marshes and swamps offer added security in multiple forms. First, water prevents many hunters and predators from entering. If they do, deer tend to see, hear, or smell them coming, f- coming from land, pinch points, or through the water. Islands of land amidst large swaths of cattails or flooded ground serve as shielded bedding locations Hunters can study the area and set up accordingly. So if you do have an area where you have those little islands of land that are have really thick cover around them or almost literally islands where they've got a lot of water around them, those are places that deer are going to hold up, and especially if they have food in them as well and they don't have to go very far, they don't have to come out of there, or if they don't have to come out of there till nighttime, that's where you're going to be bedding. You can either catch them coming back to those places in the mornings. Usually, though, you're going to have to go around some kind of food because they're coming out to eat, so you don't want to do that. That's where late season, a lot of times, you're going to be looking at your evening hunts, trying to catch them coming out to that food, and as it gets colder and colder, they're going to have to come to that food earlier, so you're going to have more chance of getting them in the daytime, but these are places you can look for, go set up on, of course. Uh, the next one he talks about our big timber clear cuts, and a lot of this is going to be... I'll read through it, then I'll make my point on that. Uh, large areas of clear-cut timber... Leave a mess of down logs, limbs, and freshly regenerated plant life, not to mention the high volume of eye-level browse suddenly on the ground floor within a short time. These areas serve as a cobweb of bedding cover, too. So often we think of this big timber that's really open at the bottom, and that's where we want to be, and that's where we want to hunt. We can shoot. We can see. But especially in the late season, those might be places that bucks will cruise during the rut, especially on ridge tops or down in valleys between bedding areas. But most of the rest of the time of the year, deer want the really high stem count, really dense woods that has a lot of browse and a lot of eye level cover, you know, five feet and below for a deer. And that's where you're looking at like these clear cuts or if something's been logged recently, even if it's been select cut to a point, especially they leave tops in it. That's going to allow the sunlight to hit the floor and stuff to regrow, new growth. All that kind of stuff is what the deer are looking for, and that provides a ton of forage for them and is likely still going to be there this time of year. They'll feed on it in the early season. Of course, when the crops come out, they'll head back to it a lot. So if there's somewhere like that that you have that still has some green in it or still has some forage value for the deer, that's another place that's going to be really good because that stuff also provides thermal cover, uh, which is something he'll get into here in another couple points. But that also will provide some cover from the wind for them. So they're going to bed in there. They're going to feed in there. That's a place where you can get in close. you got to be quiet. you got to be careful getting in there. But it is an area you could set up and have some success. 
But that's why that's the benefit of having maybe less trees and more ground cover as opposed to a whole bunch of canopy and a lot of big mature timber that we often think about as kind of our picture perfect setup. The deer don't necessarily like it because although it seems like a lot of cover to us, you got to remember they live from five foot down, so they really like that high stem count stuff. His next one is late season solar bedding. In winter, it, when it's very cold, certain areas better serve as bedding than others. One example is solar bedding cover. This is defined as bedding on the southern facing slopes. These receive more sunlight due to the sun remaining in the southern sky. This allows deer to receive maximum warmth from the sun throughout the day. So we all, well, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us have heard about this, especially you guys that do any western hunting or watch that, talking about those south facing slopes. The sun obviously rises in the east and sets in the west, but it also is in the southern part of the sky all day long this time of year, um, throughout the year. So those are the places, those south-facing slopes, especially with the leaves off, that the deer are going to want to stay in, especially if you can have some of that other thermal cover we're talking about along with a south-facing slope. The deer are really going to like to bed there because they can soak up that sunlight. They're out of the wind. They can also get in there and use the wind to their advantage when it comes to security. So those are the kind of places where the deer are really going to like to be um, for just for staying warm. Obviously, they have their winter coats on. They're unbelievably tough anyway. But if they can get any ed- extra added warmth, especially on a day when it's, I don't know, zero degrees, they're going to look for the place where they can do that. So keep that in mind as well if you have some of those southern south-facing slopes on your property or wherever you might be hunting. The next one he talks about, which I kind of mentioned a couple times there in the last two, is the winter thermal bed. Another late-season centric bedding type is thermal bedding. This is described as dense stands of coniferous trees. These include cedars, spruce, and pines. These evergreen shields from rain, snow, and sleet, and wind. These evergreens shield deer from rain, snow, sleet, and wind. These areas are also generally a few degrees warmer because the conifers help hold the heat closer to ground level. So if you guys have ever been walking through the woods or walking out of the woods and you go by a stand of cedars or pine trees, like you can literally feel the temperature change a lot of times with the needles that are on the ground and with the cover above you. Um, they hold heat there close to the ground level. So it's almost, it's noticeably warmer a lot of times when you go through those places. And obviously the deer have that figured out too. So that thermal cover, and he says, you know, he's talking about those cedars, evergreen, spruce, pines, that kind of stuff. In my opinion, you could have some thermal cover that is, you know, loosely that stuff that the treetops and really thick growth, undergrowth at the bottom, briars, honeysuckle, that kind of stuff. Not that you want that, but if you have certain pockets of it, the deer are probably going to have some thermal cover in that as well because it's also going to soak up sunshine and heat and hold it to a certain extent. Not like the cedars and pines and stuff like that will, but it will also provide some thermal cover. But if you have especially like a cedar thicket on a south-facing slope in the late season, that's probably where the deer are going to bed. We talked to Steve Shirk, uh, gosh, last year or the year before, about shed hunting one time, and he talked a lot about if you can find cedar trees where you're at, especially if you don't have a bunch of them, go check around those cedar trees when you're shed hunting. The reason for that is those bucks like to lay around the cedars because they hold that heat and they provide protection for them during the late season, during the winter, going into early spring. So it's likely that they're going to lose their antlers around them. And sure enough, I've found several different sheds right there around, you know, little 
uh, one or two cedar trees spread out here, there, you know, here and there. Well, we don't have a lot of them, but the deer will find them. They'll seek them out and they'll bed around them. So always keep that in mind too. You can use that to your advantage all the way through the end of the season. If you know where those places are, where those deer are liking to bed around them, you can get in close again with the right wind, being quiet and have a better shot of seeing them, especially bucks. The last one he hits on is the obvious escape route. By the late season, deer are scattered and deer are scared critters. They react quickly and often. Furthermore, many rifle, shotgun, and muzzleloader seasons take place during the late season. Like I mentioned, most of them actually are, a lot of them are over with already. So there are still some going on. We just had our muzzleloader season this past weekend. There's some muzzleloader seasons that go on throughout the late season, some rifle seasons. A lot of them have already taken place or are just finishing up. So that's what he's talking about. He says, this causes a lot of deer to cut and run when hunters hit the woods. Those who are very in tune with how deer use their hunting properties, private or public, and how deer escape incoming hunting pressure can set up along these routes and intercept fleeting deer. So especially this is where if you have private ground and you know your neighbors are coming in to hunt quite a bit, you know they come in the same direction every time, they do the same thing, and they always bump deer, you know where the deer are running out. Or if you're on public ground and you know there's going to be guys coming in and hunting, you can get in there and set up early in the afternoon and figure out, or even if you just have a morning to hunt, this is another place that you could potentially hunt in the morning in the late season. You got to get there early, though, and set up where those deer are going to be leaving when they feel that pressure coming in, when they smell that hunter, when they hear them, when they see them, whatever. If you know where they're running, because a lot of times they'll go the same direction, that's what he's talking about there. You can set up in those places and have success throughout the late season just based on knowing your property, knowing your hunting area, and knowing what those deer want to do whenever they get pressured. Uh, but you got to be in there early for that because otherwise you're going to be the one bumping them and then maybe some other body, some other guy is set up in there and, and he kills the deer instead of, you know, you being in that spot where you need to be. And I'm not talking about getting there early to beat that guy to the spot. I'm just talking about being there early enough where you beat the other hunters in, and that way when they do bump deer, they're sending them your direction, and you're already there set up and waiting for them, and especially in the afternoon because you can set up early in the morning, and maybe they come in before dark and bump them, and then you can't do anything about it. Um, it can still work, though, if they're coming in late or if the deer are hanging out in the area, if you're far enough away on their escape route where maybe they're stopped and they're hanging out, they're second bedding. That's another one that you can look at. A lot of times when deer get bumped out of their bedding area, not only do they have a specific escape route, but they also have a second bedding area that they like to go to. Secondary cover, somewhere that maybe was not their first choice, but it suits them for when they get scared out of their first choice. So you can set up in those places as well and take advantage of the same thing with these escape routes. I'll go ahead and read his conclusion on the entire article here. And he says, find the X. That's his subtitle for this last part here. Overall, there are many different habitat and terrain features that serve as good stand locations. From one phase of deer season to the next, hunters can key in on in-the-moment needs and patterns of deer to stay in the action. Remembering the basic needs of food, water, and cover will point the compass in the right direction. But security is almost as important. If mature target bucks are the goal, this comes in the form of overlooked pockets of deer habitat. If other hunters are avoiding it, this is where deer will be. And that will almost always be a great stand location. So take all those things into consideration, of course, food, water, cover, and then all the other F factors as well, like hunting pressure, maybe it's predators, anything like that. And different types of cover too, not just um, cover from vision, 
you know, but also that thermal cover that we talked about. All that stuff goes into play, especially in the late season. So hopefully that helps you guys out here in the next month, month and a half or so, however much season you got left. We have just over a month here in Illinois. Whatever you got left, hopefully that helps you. Maybe keep those places in mind for your stands. And if that means you have to move a stand, so if you have your stand set up maybe just for early season or just for the rut, go do it. Go out there in the midday and move a stand. It's Why sit in that stand and be out of the game for a whole month instead of going in there and moving it and maybe bumping something for a few days and then coming back and hunting it um, and then having a chance and being in the action. You have to go to where the deer are. You know, Josh in that article is talking about where the deer are going to be. That's that's where you have to go. Like he's talking about those are the places that they're probably going to be. That's why you got to have their stand setups in those locations because right now it's not going to be as random as it is during the rut. You're not likely going to catch a deer in an odd area uh, that you just get lucky. It's going to take knowing where the deer are and moving to them. So go to where the deer are at, and maybe you'll have some luck here in the late season. Even if you don't have the best food source, find out you know, how the deer are using your property if they're still using it in the daylight, that public ground, private ground, whatever, and then set up on those travel locations. So that'll do it for the, um, the article from Josh Honeycutt. Again, I talked about the different parts of that article all year. So I um, appreciate North American Whitetail putting that stuff out. And, you know, all the writers that do the work that they do, that helps us out here as well, obviously, and hopefully it helps you guys out. It gives us some stuff to talk through, brings up some good points, makes us all better hunters, I think. So I wanted to do a fall pursuit update as well, because tonight would be the night that episode 10 would come out, but we're not going to have an episode tonight, and this is going to be how we're going to probably do it for the late season, um, especially with Blake and Nate bucked out. Dad's going to be really limited on hunting time for the late season, obviously, with being busy at the shop. Jeff is, I think, going to try to get out a little more, but we'll see how much we can get a camera with him. I've still been at it a little bit. I haven't been as many times as I'd like to, but here over the next three weeks or so, I should have some time to get out in the woods. I know Dusty, you know, he's killed that one buck, so he's still after him as well, but being obviously a little more picky, understandably so, we're going to maybe try to do some late season hunting uh, together. So we're, it's just going to be when we have enough content for the episode, we'll have an episode, and I'll make sure to announce it. That way everybody knows. And then when we don't, we just won't have an episode. So we're going to have at least 10, though, no matter what. Even if we don't kill anything the rest of the year or have any good footage for you, we'll have a kind of a wrap-up episode at the end of the season, and that's that'll be the last one. So the last one you'll know for sure. It'll be a wrap-up. I'll announce it. We'll talk about the season, all that kind of stuff. But between now and then, hopefully we'll have at least one, maybe two more for you guys, just depending on what we got. Because right now, you know, the sits that I've had have been really slow. I got busted by a few does in the new spot. They came in while I was setting up. I was getting in there late, so I thought I'd try that spot. I may go back to it, maybe even today. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but it's a good spot to maybe go shoot a doe, which I'd still like to do. But other than that, like I've not even seen deer when I've been sitting. So they've been there just after daylight, just before daylight. They've been in there the days that I haven't been able to go. So I'm still kind of playing cat and mouse with them at this point. But that's kind of why we don't have an episode tonight. I've been really the only one hunting. Dusty went, I think, last weekend and got a little bit of video, but nothing nothing really exciting. I didn't figure you guys would just want to watch me sitting there seeing nothing for five minutes and then, you know, a little bit of video of deer for another five, and then that's it. So we're going to try to put together the best content possible still. It's just going to maybe take two or three weeks at this point instead of one week at a time. Like I said, we got less guys hunting. And 
late season can be tough as well. If you're not in the deer, like I was just talking about, it's going to be slow. So that's what we got coming for Fall Pursuit. Again, I'll announce when the next one is coming out. But I appreciate everybody who has watched the, the whole season with us. And hopefully you guys have enjoyed that. If you have, let us know. We want to hear the feedback. If there's something else you guys would like to see, if there's a different way you would like us to do something, let us know that too. doesn't mean we will, but if it's a good idea, we might, we'll probably use it. We're always open to criticism and new ideas and stuff like that. So, And all those who have subscribed too, uh, thanks for that. I know several of you have probably subscribed from watching the Fall Pursuit episodes, and we're going to try to do that again next year. Maybe try to do some turkey hunting this spring. And we'll keep putting content up on the YouTube channel as well, and hopefully video to the podcast coming soon. Also, don't forget our Waterfowl Wednesday episodes. We just started those. We're going to do those every other week. So if you guys are waterfowl hunters, make sure you check those out. We're going to try to get some guests on to talk about different duck stuff, goose stuff, all that kind of whatever waterfowl content we can get. We'll do it every other week, um, a podcast there. We've done two of them so far. I think they're going to be fun. I think we'll get some stuff out of them. And I'm just like turkey hunting where we've talked to guys that do a lot of that. I'll be learning right there with you. I've been duck hunting for, gosh, probably over 10 years now. But I haven't done a ton of it, so I still have a ton that I can learn as well. Now I'm looking forward to doing that right along with the listener, with the guests we have on and things like that. So make sure you stay tuned for Waterfowl Wednesdays when they come out every other week. It won't be tomorrow, but it'll be the following Wednesday. And then next week for... The regular episode on Monday, we're going to have on a guest that we're really excited to have on. Um, it's Dusty's dad is who it is. So you guys know Dusty, obviously, from Fall Pursuit. He's been on the podcast several times. But his old man's been hunting, I think, since Moses was a baby. Um, he's killed a lot of really nice deer, and he shot his biggest buck ever this year. is over 200 inches. I want to say it was like 207, somewhere in that range. Just an absolute giant. And I'll make it the episode art so you guys can see it and appreciate it if you haven't already. If you're not local and you don't know about it. Uh, but that's going to be a really fun one because him and dad used to hunt, hunt together a lot too. So I'm going to try to get him in here. Maybe they'll tell some old stories of the good old days when they were hunting. I'm sure they will. It'll be a good time. So you're not going to want to miss that episode next Monday. I think it'll be really interesting also to get his perspective on, you know, where hunting has came from just when he started doing it to now, all the changes he's seen, all the different things that have gone on. So don't forget about next week as well. You won't want to miss episode number 108. Um, I appreciate everybody that tuned in this week. Hopefully I didn't bore you too much, and hopefully that article helped you out as well in the late season. So good luck out there. Remember to stay after him. we still got plenty of time to get it done. I'm right there with you. I haven't filled my buck tag yet, so I'm going to be out there. Hopefully you guys are too. Wear your harnesses, stay safe, and good luck. We'll see you on the next one.